Hi guys, my name is Michael Burford from Last Eden. Last Eden is the next step. Last Eden is where virtual meets reality. And we'll combine the best of both what we have in reality and bring it to the world through a virtual space. We want to be a place where people gather together to educate and grow. Through the space, we will watch technology grow from virtual into reality. Last Eden will be a metaverse by the people, for the people that all can experience and enjoy. Now in our first collaboration with Last Eden, we'd like to introduce James. James has taken up the battle of fighting against world hunger. He has been in agriculture for over 25 years now and through his hands-on experience and new innovation has pulled together multiple teams to connect both agriculture and this technology. James has founded both Riper and the Crop Collective with the intent of educating while creating a positive, greener, cleaner and sustainable future for all, which we think is the most perfect combination to go with last season. So without further ado, please welcome James Yao. James, awesome. Thanks very much for joining us today. Really appreciate the time and uh, that you're taking out of your busy schedule, as I know, um, to jump on here with us. Anytime. Uh, let me ask you about uh, the humble beginnings and where it all started from and, and how you got to where you are today. Well, the humble beginnings weren't that humble. Uh, I started in consultancy and uh, uh, the sectors that I focus on were really telecommunication technology uh, in, in different aspects uh, that showed me gave me the foundation I needed to understand risk management, finance, and operations. But then it got to a point where I relocated to Asia and uh, it went from client to more family office, very family office centric. And most of their portfolio was really heavy into real estate. And there was a period in time that they wanted to diversify their real estate portfolio into agriculture. And once I, once I dabbed into agriculture, it just felt right. It felt like, this, this is real uh, financial models, risk models that we've been building, all these other things that, yeah, we saw implement into real life scenarios, but getting your hands dirty, feeling, talking to people, engaging into people, uh, seeing, you know, uh, I guess the pun in it is planting the seeds and uh, harvesting the fruits and vegetables. It was much, it was very rewarding, but at the same time, I, because of the technology that I, I had you know, to my disposal, I was able to see how, how separate this entire community or this sector was compared to the rest of the world. Um, and that's the offline part of the business. And that's one thing that, you know, got me involved and my personal savings, my personal investments went into building farms. And then one thing that led to another, uh, we were fun. We had a lot of hiccups. We, we, bit off more than we can chew at the very beginning. Let's just say that. My first project, my first attempt in 2009 was an indoor vertical farm with an out, outdoor rooftop farm, an organic farm, and a greenhouse controlled environment farm all at once. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that that was, let's just say, do one project at a time until you get good at it before you <laughs> before you take on so much. But there was a reason behind that because I needed the data. I needed the metrics and the, the, the raw data that I got from there was able to propel me so much further than uh, where everyone else that I partnered with because it showed me all the growth variables, all the atmospheric composition, soil composition, all the things that were able to give and provide a consistent growth pattern for the fruits and vegetables that we were looking into. But more importantly, 
I was looking, I was really heavily focused and it was, it was kind of like, it was, it was so much part of like the process that we need to ingrain it. I ingrained it to everybody, CapEx and OPEX. How do we, how do we compete with Chinese prices? How do we compete with domestic prices? Because yeah, you can grow it, but it just costs 10 times more, five times more. We want to make it that we could grow it locally and compete with domestic markets. And then when we start doing so, um, things just didn't go according to plan like most things do. Uh, people started saying that we're taking away from the farmers. And then that I realized, then we changed our business model. Anything that we bring to a foreign country or a new area, we do not compete with the domestic consumption or domestic farmers. We grow something that they are unable to grow. We're able to add value to that area so we can reduce imports. Anyways, it's, mm. that's kind of how I got to where I am. Yeah, nice. So, so tell me a bit more about the segregation that you're talking about with the industry, the, um, the separation that you mentioned. Well, a lot of the places, the farms, we've been to 26 different countries. We've set up from scratch just over 52 projects uh, from, from brownfield, from non-arable farms, all the way to, you know, full production, vertical integration, all the way to supply chain, to wholesale markets and, and so forth. And a lot of these places don't have water. They don't have good soil, um, hygiene. Some of them don't even, they, they have to walk four miles to get to work. Uh, so there's, there was a lot of that being brought up in North America, being brought up in the city that I, I just couldn't relate to until we went through that whole entire process. There was a probably good nine months of time that my colleagues and I just said, you know, in order to understand it, we have to live it. So we just dropped everything, went off the grid, stayed in the villages, stayed in their communities and did what they had to do and uh, try to understand what the real problems were, what real life problems were. And sleeping was, sleeping was really different. Uh, mm -hmm. Sleeping with open air for a very long period of time, uh, hearing and feeling the rain as it falls. And just, it was a different, if it felt like somebody gave me like two, three different lives uh, to live yeah, wow. in. So and that's a good really way to learn how to how to work from the ground up, hey. <laughs> starting at the yeah, absolutely. The starting from yeah, exactly. starting from the soil, man. Starting from the yeah, soil. Nice. Nicely done. And so so seeing all that and and then I guess you sort of realize the issues and the problems within the industry, and, and that's how you sort of built upon where you are now. Um, tell me why is it you got into the the crypto side of things? Um well actually to take it one step back before we got in the crypto, we have always looked at how to op utilize available and viable technology into the process. So around 2016, we started looking really in depth uh, to blockchain, mainly because from a supply chain management, from documentations to airway bills, it felt like a very repetitive process. But the problem is we were implementing it. We were using it but party B wasn't able to connect their APIs to it. So we, we it, it was just like, you know, it's a one-way channel. Yeah, it's great, but they don't understand it. They don't know how to use it. They still, some places still use 
telegram uh, facts. And it was just so backwards engineered that we couldn't blame them. It's the society. This is their community. This is the, this is how they grew up and this is all they know. Uh, so it was a lot of learning curves, a lot of education, and it was just baby steps. And then a lot of things that were blocking, especially when we do uh, import and export, we had to send money or pay for th certain things in like Indonesia, Vietnam, Cambodia, Myanmar, places people don't really go to. Uh, the banks would hold our money or hold their money or hold transfers for minimum 14 business days or more. And then mm -hmm. we just looked at, we just started seeing 2017 and we're like, uh, this is maybe not a great time to get into crypto. And then 2018, we started looking, paying attention to the smart contracts and we saw that, hey, maybe there's something here. And then this word DeFi started popping up and we started looking into it and we're like, you know, our money issue of kind of having the bank or having somebody else hold the money for no apparent reason that these guys don't understand, why don't we try it this way? And could this actually help us? Um, another pain point was a lot of these small, medium-sized farms and communities, they're actually very collateralized debt-driven. They, they don't get a lot of support from other banks. Uh, it's the rural banks, but the rural banks are pretty much they take your second or third mortgage, they take your land, and then they give you that extended credit line with not not really favorable terms. And we're mm -hmm. just looking like, no wonder debt creates debt. These guys are just so in a vicious cycle. We, we, we got to figure something out. So I took the liberty and it was a very big choice. We took the credit risk as a company and we st started paying farmers first. So we started taking the uh, the credit risk from the buyers, the wholesalers, and we started paying the farmers immediately. Just once we harvest, we pay them because mm -hmm. that is their job. So we, we want to make sure that, and we started impacting. We saw the difference. They were able to upgrade machines immediately. They were able to change their livelihood almost overnight because they're so used to waiting three months, six months, even sometimes up to a year to get paid. And it was just a lot of boring, boring, boring. And I think that's when we started really looking into crypto that uh, it was, it was one, one thing that I, re that I remember was GameSpot. It hit really hard to our group was $1 made a difference. Yeah. And you just need a million of these guys. Yeah, no, exactly. That's right. So your, your target market is is what so are you are you in the, the food business are you in the technology business or are you in the farming business or are you combining them all together to create a, a platform that's i think it's my business sector is agriculture yeah. uh and our alliance with our community with our business partners they come from all walks of life from technology greenhouse manufacturers to suppliers to nutrient to uh reverse osmosis filtration you know there, there's a lot of different people that have joined our cause because they saw the impact that we've achieved over the last 10 years. So industry, I think we are agriculture um, and technology driven, but we still nice. roll up our hands. And that's exactly what keeps you ahead of the game, eh? adapting to that latest technology. I mean, I'm in the construction business myself, amongst other things. 
Um, but we have a similar situation where we provide reports to council, but council aren't ready for virtual reality. Council aren't ready for this high-tech uh, reporting system that, that will enable them to, have, one, get better results and, and two, be a whole lot more transparent and, and, and fast-forward in, uh, in the industry. But this, it's such a big machine. You know, it's like trying to turn a ship versus turning a speedboat. It just doesn't work so well. <laughs> Not yet. I mean, look, th this metaverse is going to change the architect industry so much and it's going to propel the construction industry to a different level because it, it's it's a game changer. People need to it understand is. how much of a game changer it is when it comes. It's not so much when you're doing the operation, the labor and, and implementation. It's anything that you see requires a lot of prep work. And I think mm -hmm. the metaverse can be used to prepare uh, not just the academics, but the actual workforce for things to come for, like when you build a building, what happens if, you know, two, two, two degrees off, we know what happens. It doesn't yeah. work, especially no. if you're going vertical. Now what, yeah. like I, I've been dealing with a lot of architects on design and right now they're just so engaged in the metaverse because they get to, they get to realize their, their, their designs. Whereas mm. everyone else would just shelve it. Nah, this can't physically exist in the real world, but it mm. can now. And the fun part about it is you're not uh, susceptible to engineering restrictions. Yes. Yeah, so my architects can go for gold. I mean, we're, some of the some of the stuff that we're building in the metaverse, uh, I can't give away too much at the moment. But you know, we've got we've got floating structures, you know, and 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 because you've got no limits, you know, and if you want to get up into this floating structure, you just get through, sucked up through this beam of light. And uh, you know, it's 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 an awe-inspiring environment to walk into, kind of like the movie Avatar. You know, you said one of my favorite movies, and you just walk in there and go, man, if if we can imagine this, then imagine what you know, like imagine what we can create. Like, it's just no restrictions, no limitations, and uh, and that's that's the fun part about it. And with, with my architectural business as well, um, just telling these guys to go for gold. You know, there, there's no boundaries, and they just love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this universe. It's because it takes away so many boundaries, like you said, and there you can be, you know, that that's the attraction to, to this new generation is they can be whoever they want to be. There's mm -hmm. no discrimination. There's no race. There's no age. There's no limitations, but mm -hmm. it's, it's one thing that we've kind of felt that it was, uh, that I know the last 20 years was lacking was innovation and creativity where do you where do you bring that and this is the space that brings that on board and this brings back into our world is one of the things that we wanted to do with our nft or gamification is bring that kind of social engagement and how it would impact the real world offline and online mm. exactly yeah so tell me more about the crop collective um and, and what your plans are for it so we developed and started developing, like I mentioned, Riper DeFi. And this was, it was based on our business model. Currently, our business that's been run, running just over 10 years uh, is a full vertical integration from growing all the way to sales. And the thing is, we looked at all the loopholes. We looked at all the, the problems that we had and we could solve with viable technology. And a lot of it was in this crypto universe with, with DeFi, with DEX, with virtual exchanges. There are so many things that were plausible, but the thing is 
explaining DeFi to a person that non-crypto is just is going to take a lot of time. Like, yeah. I see a lot of people like uh, explain what NFTs are or explain what Bitcoin is and, and what, what's backing it. And, and it's, it's, we want to simplify things. We want things to be real. So it's not so much what is an NFT for us or what is uh, the crop collective. It's actually the vision, the value that's behind it, that we're here to make a change. We're here to impact lives. And we're using this as a vehicle to deliver that message, to actually bring people into this world where they're already not. A lot of people that are new or heard of it, like NFTs or crypto, but they haven't engaged in it. They haven't opened their first wallet. They haven't bought their first ETH. This is the first stepping stone. And we're trying to make, make the UI, the UX experience very, very gradual. So therefore they get to engage into what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm, nice. Nice. And so where, where do you see, where do you see what you're working on uh, going over the next five years? Like what's your end goal? The, I don't think there is an end goal. Um, to be honest, it's, it's an, there, there's what 600 some odd million people in the world that have less than $2 a day for food. So it's a never ending battle. I think the more people that we get engaged, uh, socially aware that, you know, that $2 or $1 or whatever amount of money that they can spare will make a difference. But we're trying to make sure that we're, we're it's not just a charitable donation that, you know, you have to do these kind of donations every year very repetitive we want to make sure that we're implementing technology that will make generational change like bringing reverse osmosis filters bringing certain technologies so they can actually have better soil composition uh, providing physical greenhouse structures so they can actually avoid torrential rain and things like this um, uh, implementing standard operating procedures so they can actually branch out and uh, do export markets um, we're trying to we're trying to bring communities together and we're using technology that's offline right now to do so. Mm, that's awesome. And so this passion of yours to, you're obviously trying to help people. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to help um, produce uh, your, are your farms organic. Uh, some of them are, some of them aren't organic is labeled in a certain way that you have to use a standardization yeah. protocol. Um, yeah. So some of them is just they're they're unable to get organic certifications just because they use hydroponics or aquaponics or even gotcha. aeroponics. Uh, but where we're trying to get to with this is we just want to make sure that people get fed. One of the last yeah. ticks on the checklist that they need to worry about every single day. We've been doing this, like I mentioned, in ASEAN, the Asian countries in Australia. So we've over the last five, six years, we grew from, we, we've been supplying a lot of families, uh, single parent families, uh, jobs uh, and food on a day-to-day -day basis, three meals a day for their kids, educate, uh, providing food for the schools so they have nutritious food. They, they don't have to worry about that thing that we don't worry about now. Yeah, yeah, nice. Good on you, man. Love what you're doing. Love what you're doing. And I can sort of see with the, um, I can obviously see with this partnership that that you and I are developing here is, is through this metaverse we can create um, 
economy for people. You know, they can buy, sell, trade in our metaverse. You can have um, opportunities for people to the, the whole play to earn gaming um, aspect. Where, where you got com- countries like Venezuela at the moment. I mean, that's one of the highest income um, that jobs that people can have is actually playing computer games now. And so, so having that play to earn game aspects to the metaverse for people to then create that income. Um, plus uh, marrying up with what you guys are doing with the whole farming aspect. And I understand you've got a, a mining system that you wanted to integrate there too, which would be, you know, just another avenue for people to actually create an income. And therefore people are going to be um, making more than that $2 a day. Um, it's it's going to be fantastic. And combining, Absolutely. you know, with our powers combined, as, as we so to speak, <laughs> it's it's about, yeah, uh, that impact that will leave uh, on the earth, you know, and, and um, leaving that legacy and, and creating new worlds. I mean, the slogan for my, for one of my businesses is, is a whole new world. And, um, and that's, that's something that we're trying to live by is, is, is reimagining the way we think. Um, and another aspect for that, for the metaverse side of things for me is, you know, we want to become smart city builders. Um, and so having smart cities, having this metaverse then creates those templates and, uh, and concepts for uh, the way smart cities should look um, or the way cities, sorry, should look in the world world um as well as also having that closed circuit uh, uh agricultural system so that um you know reusing the waste as as you've, you've mentioned to me uh, outside of the podcast um, maybe you can go into that as well as how you can uh, create that closed circuit system um that then integrates with with what we're doing in the metaverse if you don't mind speaking about that a little bit no 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 absolutely look i think one of the reasons why we got off so well is because our values our goals and our drive are in the same direction. And, you know, eventually you and I would would have met no matter what, because we're, we're fighting for the same cause and we want to make that impactful change, uh, tangible to non, non-tangible to tangible. And I think that's, that's really where the metaverse and smart cities come into place. Now, because we, we deal with a lot of these ASEAN countries, a lot of sewage, a lot of um, wastage is not properly handled. And over the last two, three years, a lot of our farms and neighboring farms, what we actually ended up doing was collecting their waste, their bio waste, and converting into energy. There wasn't a one, you know, one-stop shop solution immediately for us because some of the organic waste needed a lot of filtration. But uh, with a little bit of geothermal exchange pumps to stabilize a certain thing, and with an ORC exchange. I can go into the technicals later, but more more importantly, it's biomass, collecting waste from farms and converting into energy. And we've been doing it quite well so far on a few sites that we have a surplus of energy. Now, a lot of these farms are in remote locations. Uh, some of them are two, three hours drive to the city. So we can't really connect back into the grid. So right now it's just, uh, what do we do with this external energy? And yeah, we're powering homes. 10% goes to the farm operations. I don't think any, any of this uh, farms require more than 30% to, to give back to the community. And what does that community really, what are we giving back using power? We're able to use reverse osmosis for the water. So now they have clean water. Some of them now have HVAC systems. So they have air, con- air conditionings or heat when they need it. And a lot of them now have electrical outlets which they didn't have. Uh, and then we were thinking, we started looking into and implementing, we, we reached out to certain suppliers 
of uh, crypto mining and said, what can we do on here? And they gave us the schematics, they gave us some machines and they, we plugged and play and we were like, ah, this is, this actually, this actually works. You know, we could actually donate part of this crypto that we're mining back to the community, back to the farmers. And we can actually use the rest into rewarding the people that are uh, supporting the game NFT and the tokens. That's incredible. So, so it's kind what, of what a, I, it's a, it's a, it's not a vicious cycle of bad. It's a vicious cycle of good. It's yeah. we're able to take things that we, we don't need and convert it to things that we need. And, yeah. uh, you know, the basic essentials of life really come down to food and power right now in this world with, with that you're able to do a lot more things. So we're growing food. We're making sure that we stabilize the food system for them. And now we're giving them the power to do more than that and have passive income generated from people showing this support. And this is one of the things that we we were looking at with a marketing team uh, with NFTs, because when they asked me, you know, we're going to do NFTs. So what does your NFT really represent? I'm like, well, NFTs or blockchains, it's an it's immutable fact. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be great that this is an immutable fact? that this is when you started making change to other people. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's there, it's digitally engraved in history that people can now see that you impacted these people's lives directly. And it wasn't just, you know, I, I gave $100 to a charitable foundation, but I don't know who I gave it to, who I impacted. Here, yeah. we're able to show exactly who you impacted. And they are able to reverse it because there, a lot of donate, a lot of villages and uh, people that we've met that receive donations. They have actually are very curious who helped them. Ten years later, they got to college level. They always ask, you know, I wish I could find out who actually put me through college. Mm -hmm. No, that's now they way. Yeah, now they can. Yeah, that's exactly, and that's the amazing thing about blockchain. You know, there's, there's transparency. Yeah. And, it, and it fascinates me how how the adoption of this is just moving so fast. You know, it, since I'm sure it's been around for quite a while now, since I think it was 2008 or whatever. Um, yeah. But you know, it had, the scale of technology and the, and, the, and the evolution of it is is a hockey stick. And um, I'm I'm going to be fascinated to see where we are in, in five years and, and what we'll be able to achieve by then. And especially, um, it's a lifetime for us. Crypto is, is what one month. One month in crypto yeah. is equivalent to one year. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> and and the cool thing about it is is it's bringing people together too. Not just on a not just on a on a blockchain level, but not not on a technology level, but on a like just how you and I met, for example. You know, and now we're just like, hang on a second. There's so many symmetries here. Let's partner up. You know, who else are we going to be meeting on our journey with this? And that, and that's why I'm excited about about building Last Eden as as a metaverse is because we can we can pick and choose who we work with and 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 get the movers and shakers in the industries and and um and be able to use this as a platform for good to to you know you might be able to come and see somebody else and say hey i know how you can make that better as well and let's partner up and we can do that together um, yeah same pretty much what you've done with with me in the smart city aspect is that you know we can we can build this agricultural into the smart city um the agricultural system sorry into the smart cities and um and develop it from there and and you know who's next elon musk is going to come in here and, and, and change change the game or <laughs> it's it's interesting it's exciting 
I think like even touching on him, he's a powerhouse of his own and he's changing the world in so many ways that people lose track that how much he has changed the world already. And this is, this is the part where a lot of people lose focus. It's, it's one step at a time, but he's done it. You know, it's amazing what he's done in such a short period of time. Yeah. Leaps and bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And the electricity (laughs) to the Mars, to Mars. (laughs) (laughs) And the electricity game being a big part of that too. I mean, um, with with smart cars, you know, like, um, it's yeah we're, we're the internal combustion engine is you know i don't see that being around for too much longer i mean sure in some aspects maybe um and, and obviously as as classic cars and, and the rest but um the capability of of these new energy systems with new engines and and new um and the evolution of the engine i guess um and what he's done with rockets as well you know it's the same same sort of concepts you know it's it's changing um well, that's one thing. SSB has changed a lot, even how in the renewable energy space, uh, solid state batteries, uh, we have implemented in few of the locations uh, at the farms just so we could actually save some of the power uh, to, to, to when they need it. Um, and this has helped us transform. You know, we, we had a few donations from electric cars. Uh, we've changed them from cars to trucks now. So they're actually able to charge on the farm and actually uh, transport to the markets uh, and do that journey. So it's it's incredible some of the things that we see are happening because you know our our ambition and our goal was to reduce carbon footprint. And now that we've done so, we started looking at the UN UN initiatives, United Nations 17. How do we do this? How do we look that? We're, we've been looking at that list. How to eradicate poverty. Uh, I don't think eradicate would be the best word. I think uh, it's difficult, especially since we can't reach certain locations right away. But chipping at it slowly at what we're doing is what we can do best. And trying to make a meaningful, you know, meaningful business, as well as a meaningful social impact. And it's been very educational. And that's one thing that you and I discuss is there's an educational part of this that we should and we will look into to bring forth this new generation. Yeah. And and that's that is a big part of, of making changes is educating people how to do things, you know, educating them that that waste is a bad thing, you know, like pollution, sorry, is, is a bad thing. Yeah. You know? Um, because a lot of countries they just they don't acknowledge the fact that, you know, if I throw this into the ocean, it's gonna it's gonna do damage um and and so educating people one on how to how to uh live a eco-friendly life is, is one thing you know but also um nutrition and um and people's own personal capabilities you know for example me as a young kid wouldn't think i was gonna be here today but if with the right tools and the right people and, and the right contacts and and you know that, that that's sort of got me to where i am um uh, grit man Grit got yeah. you where you are. Absolutely. G-R-I-T. <laughs> that, that was a big part of it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, and then showing people that they can do the same thing too. You know, um, education is a big part of making a change in this world. And, uh, and I'm definitely on board for that. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, look, one person asked me one time, 
you know, why, why are they changing their lifestyle knowing, knowingly that their lifestyle is wrong? And it was just said, look, a choice between dirty water and not drinking, what choice do I really have? Yeah. And I was, I was just like, shit, you're right. <laughs> Some people don't have that option, that third option. So, yeah. you know, no. No, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do what we can. Yeah, man. Yeah, very much so. So, so you've got Riper, you've got the Crop Collective. Yep. Um, the Crop Collective is the game. The Croc Collective is a NFT collection. So we wanted to make sure that we we made it fun, a little bit more engaging because what we just talked about is a little bit, you know, it's too real world at the moment. We want mm. to we want to uh, fictionalize it a little bit just so it's easier to swallow or uh, bring people up to speed. And then yeah. with that, we didn't just want to do a PFP, a profile pick. We wanted to have some sort of utility, some sort of, you know, value behind it. And with that, we developed, we are developing the game side. Now the game side is splits off in a few areas, but what it is, is kind of, I guess in real world, it's Farmville meets Clash of Royales meets Angry Birds kind of thing with a little bit of Final Fantasy VII, those mini games inside it. So there's a lot of throwback factors that we grew up on but what we wanted to do was we didn't want to just build a game for the sake of, you know, you're going to spend the next 12 hours of your life in this game. People have the option. 10 minutes is good enough uh, to be able to, if you play the game properly, uh, whether as a farmer or a villain, uh, you're able to have passive income. Now, farmers, you, you farm. But what we wanted to do was bring that online business offline. So say, for example, it takes me, hypothetically, it takes me three days at our crypto mining site to farm one Bitcoin, hypothetically. Don't quote me on this. This is just for an example. Uh, but in, in, the, in the game, it would take you three weeks to harvest it. Now, you would share that crypto with uh, the profits with obviously the farmers the, and everyone else, but this makes it much more real world because there's an actual offline utility attached to this. There's an actually monetary value attached to this game instead of just a token where people, you know, they can say whatever it's worth. There's actually a, a lack of a better word, a stable coin behind it. Yeah. Uh, so this is where we want to bring that factor into it uh, along with the game and how we proceed with that. So once the game releases, you have the staking part of it, you have the liquidity pool, you have all these other aspects and we started looking at Fortnite as well, as well as COD and said, look, it's great that you can customize your own skin and do these other things, but does the skin actually add value to gameplay? It doesn't. You just want to play as your favorite character. So we want to change things up and make sure that we didn't get ahead of ourselves one, one step at a time. Phase two one is when we implement the mining aspect because there's a lot of APIs and dev and hybrid smart contracts that need to be incorporated into the gamification uh, because they, we just want to make sure that, you know, players, are they now taxable <laughs> because they're generating yeah. income? So we're looking at all these different rules and regulations of the real world and how we implement that into the smart contracts so that yeah. they're able to 
enjoy the game and understand. But at in the game side, we want the community. Uh, so what they see in the game, they actually are invited. Our community, we will do, you know, uh, host events on site at our farm. So they actually see what wastage converting into power, going into mining, what it actually looks like. Uh, they can see the, the people that they are affecting just by playing this game because now it's an ongoing basis that we're setting aside part of the portion to actually feeding that part of the community. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. And being able to actually go out to a farm and actually see it real uh, firsthand would be amazing too. And just seeing how the whole process works because I'm sure I've seen it and I've, I've seen photos and videos and, and that sort of stuff, but I'm really looking forward to actually getting out there myself and actually checking it out. Um, especially the especially the, the energy part of it that that really excites me because um, that is that is going to be a huge part that you can then push out to i'm, I'm assuming um, other aspects of, could you fuel the car with that sort of energy i mean oh yeah 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 okay yeah. so just for general metrics uh it's about six thousand kilos of organic waste that is able to generate one megawatt now yeah, wow. one megawatt is able to power 300 you know of our homes and yeah. that's a that's a lot uh, of power. Yeah, wow. They yeah, nice. they don't even use a tenth of that right now, uh, yeah. but that just tells you because there's so much waste when it comes to fruit farming. You got the roots, mm -hmm. you got the stems, you got the leaves, you got certain things that you don't want uh, that actually can generate power. Yeah, nice. Hey, your uh, mic is just banging against your shirt and making a bit. Oh, of noise. sorry about that. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, that's that's. Um, and so do you have any sort of future use cases for that as well that you're sort of wanting to target or is it more so just going back into the farming and uh um, no and absolutely this is one thing that we we touched on prior to this prior to these calls is how we implement that into the smart uh, smart cities because mm -hmm. having off the grid power is look we're always we're we're a very wasteful being <laughs> uh, things that we do how do we how do we bring that back into the mix? Uh, how do we convert that back into power? The technology is already available. It's just how we how we process it, and it's just how we incorporate that technology into new developments. And that's one of the things where we've been actually discussing. Uh, in the coming two months with some of the universities in Canada that we're going to be implementing on some of their sites uh, to bring some off-the-grid off power into their campus from uh, renewables that we've been doing. Oh, wow. Good on you. That's amazing. That's fantastic. That's really good to hear, man. We really, really, really appreciate your um, your time today. Um, no, no, no. Thank a, you for your time. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, no, and uh, I really look forward to seeing what we can do together and and welcoming you, welcoming you into uh, our last Eden Metaverse and, and being able to see this collaboration you know, take hold and, um, and yeah, really, really launch into, into new worlds. That's hey, we're, we're, we're looking forward to this alliance and partnership uh, as much as you are right now. There's so much, so much that we can actually gain from each other. And I think it's just spreading the, spreading the word, the awareness and kind of we, we work better together than we do by ourselves. Uh, that's yeah. it. Don't want to sound yeah. too corny, but together we do achieve more, right? Very much so, man. Very much so. Great minds, you know, put together and uh, it's, it's make waves. Uh, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to making waves here. 
and uh, I'm sure this is not going to be the, the, the last podcast we do together. I'm, I'm sure we're going to jump on and and, uh, and do a few more and uh, and update our community about the developments that we're making. And um, so we'll definitely definitely organize another one soon. I think this is our first podcast. My, it's definitely my first podcast. I've done a it lot is of my other first podcast. <laughs> so this is what this is why right now, for for the record, this is this is this is why we're not. We're not holding that joint. We're not dropping bombs or dropping <laughs> f words and stuff like that. It's because we're we're trying to be very kosher because it's our first one. <laughs> yeah, watch out for the tenth one. <laughs> but hey, thanks a lot, Michael, for your time, and thank you for your you know such generosity and kindness to helping us out and spread the word. I mean, you and your group is are definitely helping us quite a lot, uh, reaching awareness and just giving us pointers in the right direction. So. I really appreciate a sincere thank you formally. I appreciate what you're doing. I really do appreciate what you're doing. That's what that's why that's why I'm doing it. I mean, if I can if I can help you, um, you know, make a difference in the world, then you know the world's going to be a better place, right? And, uh, yes. and I'm sure that's that, that's going to come roundabouts. And and as we both sort of alluded to, you know, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're also doing this for the impact that we're going to leave behind, because yes. you know, life is short, and um, and for some people, it's a lot shorter. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we do want to make that change so that um, we can, the world is a better place to live because uh, it's getting pretty scary at the moment. And I understand you've got kids as well. And, and, and so we want to make this a really nice place for them to be brought up and for the grandchildren and so on. That's actually one of the major reasons why um, my community and even the people that work with me and for me uh, got together. When we started doing this project, we always ask the reason why and it's for family. It's for the next generation. We want to, we want to, we want to make a difference. We saw where the world's leading. We saw where the world's going to. These last two, three years have been. It's been. Uh, it's been. <laughs> it's been. It's been difficult for a lot of people, and I'm not sure if it's going to get better if we st don't start making that change now. So, I have kids and almost everyone on the team has kids and we're just we're just worried about what our kids are growing up to and did we what can we do to make it different for them or better for them um, and I think it's just taking a few steps back and showing that you can help others by helping others you help yourself that's exactly it that is exactly it hey one last question before we uh, wrap up um for the next generation, what would your bit of advice be in order to help, in order to inspire them to change the world? Don't put yourself first, put others first. Mm. Uh, because if you work together, you, you will achieve much more when you're very, when you work by yourself and selfish reasons, selfish cause leads to selfish goals. And I think uh, we can do better. Yeah, my uh, my mentor, he said to me once, which really um, changed my mindset, is um, create uh, create global solutions. Uh, yeah, create global solutions. Now, so if you think on a global scale to solve global problems, then that's that's how you make that sort of impact. That's how you change the world, and also at the same time, that's how you get places. And uh, and so I thought, yeah, think on a global scale. What can we do there? And that's sort of how we got to where we are today. So let me flip the let me flip the channel a little bit. Asking you one question is, why are you doing this? What's your main, like what, what, not just what brought you into this space, but 
why do you want to do this? I'm doing this again to make an impact. That is the word that I live by is, is impact. Um, now, I live in Sydney, Australia, and it's such a, a reactive city, you know, because we're growing so fast here and, and just watching the construction industry and the architecture and, and seeing so many, um, yeah, I, I did prison ministry as well for a while, right? And, um, and so going to mentor the young kids and, and um, it didn't matter who you were, what upbringing you had if if you were brought up in, a, in an environment where it was too expensive to live and and your family wasn't doing so well financially because of the living the living costs um then it could be either you your neighbor or the kid down at the train station that could lead you astray and so then if we if we were to cre- recreate the way that these cities are designed and the cities are built and and um and integrating things like you know that the closed circuit systems and amongst that then you'd have a, a much more affordable uh, friendly cleaner environment to be brought up in and, and to to live in um and that whole concept for me is is because it it's that it's it's recreating reimagining the way we live um, and, and that, that starts from the ground up from, from that sort of situation, you know, from, from who your neighbors are and from, from your living environment and from, uh, from the, yeah, just your upbringing. And, um, and so, so that there led to, led to setting up these construction companies and the architectural and the town planning businesses, which then, you know, I thought, how can we, how can we, uh, get the system, um, um, templated? You know, and so then you got the metaverse coming into that too, and so it's like, right, well, let's create a metaverse where we can create these, uh, this, try out the system, and, and then from there you got, you know, Plato and games that can help people earn more income in different countries, and then from there you got, you know, uh, bringing all these businesses into the metaverse to then create this this opportunity for people to, you know, I've got my, my vegan supermarket restaurants, um, so you can get you know good clean products delivered to your door from from the metaverse, and and you know just enabling um, that global scale of of services and, and offerings that um uh, we can we can put out there for people to then uh um combine to get them for example you know meeting guys like yourself and then and combining these sort of change businesses that then the idea behind that is then create that um the income that will then reflect back into real life scenarios and um so do you think tr- do you think like right now based on what you just said do you think trust is the major issue that brought us to where we are today? I mean, to have decentralized platforms, to have crypto, to have metaverse, to have social media, social engagers, fractionalized communities, uh, do you think trust is a major factor that we don't trust people enough anymore? I had this conversation with my wife this morning. I said, what is it about blockchain that is, is you know, uh, creating that fast adoption is it the fact that we don't trust our governments and our systems that we've been we're living inside of you know is it that decentralization that uh, that makes us such an attractive um, um, product um, and we had, we had different perspectives on that but I, I'm I, I think that trust is a massive issue right because we want to see where the transactions go you know <laughs> as sort of Elon Musk alluded to um, recently where he said um uh, somebody said if he sold 10% of his Tesla shares, he'd be able to solve world hunger. And so, um, so Elon Musk said, all right, well, if, if was it United 
nation's food program um if, if they can show me how to uh spend that money um then i'll do it right away i'll sell my shares and do that um but then someone went digging up and, and sort of showed uh where the money that the united nations food program was actually going to and and you know there was multi 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 millions of dollars in in other expenses and um you know it's it's fact that like if that was on the blockchain you'd better see where every single dollar went and then you, you have big supermarkets you know ripping off farmers you know if people if people knew how much supermarkets were actually paying the farmers i don't think they'd be shopping at supermarkets no you know, absolutely not yeah i'm a bit of a wine a wine fiend i love wine um and i was having this conversation with this man one day and he goes if you can buy a bottle of wine for under 12 dollars and he goes you're getting it from the wrong places you know, and, and there is a lot of wine out there for under $12. But what happens is these big supermarkets go to a winery and say, hey, we'll buy the next five years worth of wine off you, but we're going to pay a dollar a bottle. You know, and, and they create their own labels. I, don't, I think a dollar a bottle is, is how can you do it? Bottle costs you how much? You know, the label costs you how much? And then the grapes and then the labor and everything else that goes into it. You know, and, and so there is a massive trust issue. And that's why people, you know, that you know, spending what we spend on, on our sort of lifestyles and, and inflation and, yeah, it's 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 messing with the system, and then somebody's got to pay for it, and they pay with their time, their lifestyle, and, and their and their culture and their environment, and um, and that's why I think blockchain is changing the game. Yeah, you know, because there there is a lack of trust in in what we're doing in, in so many ways, and you see that with you know COVID coming through and you know all that sort of stuff too. Is that there's a there's a massive percentage of the population that don't trust the governments, don't trust the pharmaceuticals, you know. Um, it is. There's a, there's a there's a there's a wave of awakening coming through, yes. and um, and I think that's gonna. I think that awakening is gonna make the world a better place. And I think, as you sort of said at the start, you know how we're you sort of looking at these solutions to these problems, and all of a sudden they're they're starting to appear, like decentralized finance and and blockchain and, and NFTs, and yeah, it's um, I think it's developing because people are trying to find solutions to this trust issue. Yeah, I lived through that uh, 96, 97 period, and it was when the internet kind of had the hype and was all the rave, but people people didn't understand it then where it is right now. You think Web 1, Web 2, now Web 3 that we're talking about, it, it's kind of where blockchain is. It's still at its infant stage, even if we call it Generation 2 blockchain, where we have smart contracts. Generation 3 is when you actually have ecosystems in the real world affected by this there's so much there's so much to jump on board to understand and now is the right time i think right now is the best time because the learning curve will be less steep so yeah and and seeing seeing this sort of stuff being taught in schools and as well you know with the, the stem um, programs and stuff it's it's very very cool to see yeah, kids coming home and, and grade five, grade and... six are starting coding. It's just yeah. unbelievable, and it's amazing. Yeah. But it's it's actually just math. It's simple math. It's yeah. the thing is, math is giving different problems. So, share with you what my just. I'm not sure how much time we have left, but uh, my son went to as school. Long as you've got... <laughs> my son went to school, and uh, he just. Uh, changed because he was he was being educated in Hong Kong and the school that he's attending now 
it was it was a breath of fresh air because you know how we went to school. You give a question, you have an answer, you have to show your answers, and that's it. You got it right or wrong. And when the teacher showed me this is their next midterm, I just went, are all schools doing this now? They're like, some of them are adopting it. So it gave a question and it gave an answer. And I was like, so all he has to do is give everything in between. He goes, no, 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 read the bottom. And then I was like, oh, this is very interesting. So how many other ways or how many other questions can derive or provide this solution? How many other questions can you provide to hit this question? So for example, if the answer is four, what can you do to get to four? There's infinite ways. And it was just like mind blowing that they're starting to do this in school and showing that there's not one way to answer a question. There are multiple ways. It's, are you willing to do the work and how innovative are you to find out, you know, simplifying it and how innovative are you? And I was just like, so why are you guys educating them this way? They like, because the old ways don't work. We're not, mm. we're not, we're, we're, we don't want to treat our students anymore like a factory where everyone comes out expecting a job and, and doing, you know, doing their CVs, going, going through the whole process. They, we're supposed to be educators. And yeah. if we're supposed to educate them, aren't we supposed to help them find out what they want to do? Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. You got my support. That is awesome. That is such a breath of fresh air to hear because I am anti the old school system, right? The, the fact that you've got 35 kids in a class all with different learning uh, ways of learning, uh, you know, some, some are uh, physical, you know, to actually physically do the activity and some are audible and some are visual, um, but we're all getting taught the same way, you know, and like, you know, here's, here's the information on the whiteboard, write down your book. You know, that, that was not my way of learning. My way of learning was hands-on, um, and also visual um and seeing seeing these new school systems come out where where the kids have their own choice of what they want to learn you know like Elon Musk school at Astra um you know got a whole bunch of his mates and they put all the kids in the, in the school together and create this new schooling system which which does teach you how to think outside the box and there's no curriculum because you know they, they learn what they're interested in because if you're interested in something then you know it's gonna you're gonna invest in it yourself um and the school systems do need to change. You know, the best the best picture I've seen was a uh, was a a kid leading sorry a, a tree leading his stick into a classroom full of sticks being taught by an axe, <laughs> and it's just you know it's, it's carving them into who they want them to be, and um, but that's not letting the kid flourish, you know, and uh, and and that is that is we're we're getting tailored. Oh, sorry, the old school system was tailoring you into exactly who they wanted you to be, as opposed to what you wanted to be. And um, yeah, I, I left I left school at sixteen years old, and uh, I think that's the best thing I ever did because uh, so uh, I uh, learned life um, hard and fast it's through the school of hard knocks. And I had twenty two jobs by the age of twenty two, and uh, and thirty three businesses by the age of thirty three, and I've got a few more than that now. It's um, but it is it's one of those things that you know. If you if you think outside the box, and it just as as that activity that was taught at school that you're talking about, if you think outside the box and if you think of multiple ways of doing things, then um, it, it creates a creative mind. And absolutely, uh, yeah, creative minds come up with creative solutions. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's kind of where we're at, uh, where we're 
we're leveraging this metaverse and gamification, even our NFTs. We're trying to use that as a tool in a vehicle just to help people understand exactly that. We're building that community, that trust factor. And, uh, and this is where, you know, people are going to see what we have in store. And even today during an AMA, I dropped, <laughs> everyone was messaging me. You're not supposed to say that right away. You're not supposed <laughs> to do that. And I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. Uh, Cause I've learned from one thing, even playing video games, there's, even if you set the parameters of the game, there's always going to be somebody that finds a cheat code. There's always going to be some guy that finds a way to cheat the system. I'm looking for that guy. That's what I'm looking for. That guy is going to be able to help us solve this hunger issue, solve these other things is because we're giving real, real world problems into the game. And I'm looking for that guy that can actually give me the cheat code to optimize that land, to grow this certain thing faster, to develop things faster, to mine things better, to use the power that we have in a more efficient way. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, nice. Yeah, looking for the game changes. Yes. Yeah. So we got no. the players, but I'm looking for the cheaters too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. But thank you for the time today, eh? And I appreciate uh, really appreciate uh, the honesty and let's mm. let's do stuff together. I'm Thank excited. You. Thank you very much for what you're doing, James. Really appreciate it. Okay. Cheers, man. Thanks for listening to our last evening podcast. To find more content like this, please follow or subscribe and have notifications turned on. It helps when you like the podcast as well. So please take five seconds to do so. We would really appreciate it. Thanks for your time today. See you next time.